from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Elaine Cha. Last month, employees of multiple Starbucks stores left their stations to walk out the door where they took up signs and assembled on picket lines. And not just getting the company's attention, we already have the company's attention. They've kind of brought the hammer down on us. But what we need is public attention and public support. You heard Jennifer say that Amazon wants to think of itself as one of the best employers. Starbucks has a long-standing reputation as one of the better employers. Unfortunately, not only have they been coasting on that, but they've turned their back on that promise to their workers. Less than a week later, workers at an Amazon warehouse in St. Peter's joined a protest to demand that the company put an end to grueling conditions and raise their pay. Chanting, walk out, clock out, we're on strike. Felt good, then we took our strike petition down to management and placed it um, on our GM's window. Those actions are part of a wave of recent worker activism union-affiliated and otherwise, that swept through the St. Louis region and beyond. Here to talk about that movement, past and current, are two workers who are on its front lines. Jennifer Crane, an Amazon warehouse worker from St. Peter's. So glad you're here, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. And Bradley Rolfe, a former Starbucks shift supervisor fired from Starbucks in Ladue. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the program. Jennifer, tell us what a typical day at the Amazon Fulfillment Center, STL8, which is the St. Peter's Amazon warehouse, involves. A typical day at STL8 starts at about 7.30 in the morning. And as a single mother of seven, five that um, live at home with me, and two of those work at Amazon also at night, um, it's a long day. It's 10 hours right now during peak. It's 11 hour days, five days a week. It's me packing up the online orders at a rate of a minimum of 70 an hour for the 10 to 11 hour days. So about 3000 packages a week. That is a lot considering what a, a person who may not be trained to do would be expected to accomplish. Now, You've been doing this work at the warehouse for about a year and a half. How did you go from starting this job less than two years ago to being part of the group organizing the walkout? Being that um, two of my sons worked there and them being on night shift and watching them come home tired. My 20-year-old comes home extremely exhausted to see him walk in my house like an old man, you know, makes me feel like a failure sometimes because I'm the one that urged him to get the job before I knew better. And how old are they? They are 20 and 31. Okay. And to watch them, yes. So I had a coworker come up to me with our petition and where they were demanding, you know, higher wages, safer and better working conditions. So I thought that was, a, you know, a good time to get started, especially, you know, for my children. And uh, so I joined, I signed the petition, then I ended up joining the organizing committee after that. Mm -hmm. No, in terms of the the walkout last month, 
Um, that was coordinated to send a, a strong message on one of the busiest shopping days of the year, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. How long did it take to plan that? Didn't really take us that long to plan that. Um, we did find out that it was the first time in history that any U.S. Amazon had gone on strike with the other Amazons across the world. We had several here in the U.S. plus about 40 other countries that went on strike all on the same day. So there was some solidarity yes. geographically. And when you all started organizing the walkout, what were you and fellow Amazon warehouse workers, where you were, what were you walking out for? We were walking out for um, the safer working conditions. We, you know, we're demanding higher pay, which is roughly about $10 an hour per worker. Um, we have a 36-month wage cap. So once you're at Amazon for 36 months, you get no more raises. You're capped off in your um, pay. There, we also want to be compensated a dollar an hour for every other role we are we learn how to do and do in our day because we go to different departments and learn different things and we're not compensated for that. Right. So it's a duties as assigned. Yes. And there's no extra pay for your labor. Correct. Now, when you were talking about um, the conditions, can you give us an example of one of the conditions that has affected um, many people? I would say it would be the rate of work that they want. I mean, because they can afford as a trillion dollar company and they made $34 billion in profit last year. They can afford to give us a rate of work that doesn't lead to injury. I personally am sitting here with a brace on my arm because I did get injured because of the rate of work. And they sent me back to work while it's still injured, telling me I will be okay. Mm-hmm. So there's not much attention being paid to physical welfare. No. As, right. And as far as what you were walking out to, can you tell me um, what you and other workers saw that day you walked out um, and whether that gave you any sense that your goals for the walkout might be met? That day when we walked away from our stations at about 1.45 and then several of us were walking through our facility blowing whistles and chanting, walk out, clock out, we're on strike. Felt good. Then we took our strike petition down to management and placed it um, on our GM's window. And then we all met in the front of the building. And then when we walked out that day, we had several hundred community union, religious leaders, plus other Amazon workers from our facility who had not been at work that day met us on the outside. And how did it feel? It felt great. Yeah. Did it feel different than in in the past when you've done other actions? It did feel different. It felt better. It felt like we had more support. So we're hoping that we just keep building our numbers and building our organization so Amazon will, you know, hear us. And and respond in yes. some way. Yes. So it does seem like there is some momentum. But kind of going back to uh, the decision to join organizing efforts, doing that sort of thing to improve conditions and pay, it comes with several risks. And from what I understand, and what you mentioned, you are – raising as a solo parent several children 
And you have two among them who are also working at an Amazon warehouse. Can you talk with me a little bit about the conversations that you had, if you had any, with your family as you weighed whether you should participate in unionizing work, including the Black Friday walkout? I actually did not converse with them. <laughs> that was as as their parent, as you know, the the provider of my house. I knew that that was just something that I needed to do because Amazon can do so much better. They want to claim that they're the world's greatest employer, right? But they are far from that. Okay, the way they treat employees is. Awful. So we're going to pick up on that. We need to take a pr- quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue the conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Welcome back. Bradley, Jennifer, when asked about weighing costs and benefits of joining efforts to join Amazon workers, um, when she was talking about that, I was thinking very much about you too. The risks you took to unionize at Starbucks, where you worked as a shift supervisor, it paid off in one sense. Because in June this year, the Starbucks at Lindbergh and Clayton in Ladue was the first Starbucks in the entire St. Louis region to become a union shop. That was June. Bradley, what changed for you just four months after that? Uh, I mean, well, in October, I was unlawfully terminated by the company um, as, you know, retaliation and targeting for our union activities. Um, they obviously have a different story to that, but right now we're working on getting a claim filed with the National Labor Relations Board, seeking to get that overturned and reinstate me back to my job. So formally, you are not on the job, but when it comes to supporting organizing work and past co-workers at Starbucks, what has not changed even with that termination? And I'm still very connected to my co-workers in the store. We, you know, have open lines of communication with each other. I, I, I know day in, day out, you know, what they're struggling through on the job there because, you know, we kind of have a group chat where we can talk about the situation and invent to each other and strategize on how to best support each other through the challenges and, you know, what's kind of coming down the way as far as uh, any types of actions we can take to hopefully a apply pressure to our immediate managers and the company at large to get them to pay attention and and actually treat us well. So there is quite a bit of collective energy still going. Absolutely. And that's the only way any of this works. Right. Now, while Amazon workers at warehouses in St. Peter's and elsewhere in the country walked out on Black Friday, Starbucks employees took a similar tack about a week earlier. More than 1,000 Starbucks employees nationwide took part in a strike known as, quote, the Red Cup Rebellion, so-called for the limited edition reusable cups Starbucks offers that day, and so timed to occur on one of the company's 
busiest days. Spencer Blackman is a barista at Starbucks on Hampton and Wise, just south of Forest Park in St. Louis. Now, the store is one of five St. Louis area shops that's now unionized. Spencer took part in the Red Cup Rebellion and told our producer, Danny Wisentowski, that while some customers were disappointed to miss out on their Red Cups, others actually cheered them on. The Starbucks typical Red Cup day is, um, I think, a lot of people get really excited about because you're given a Red Cup with a purchase of holiday drinks. So it's a really big day for Starbucks. Um, and so we were hoping to kind of put our own spin on it, and we could, we actually got some like union red cups that we could hand out to people and things like that. Uh, we we're mostly hoping to really like get attention. Like we wanted Starbucks to see us, to hear us, to just see that we wanted to be treated fair and with respect, and have them show up to our. Um, bargain meetings to bargain our contracts. We had, um, I think, across-the-board reactions um, to our strike. Some people were not happy, but we actually had, I think, more than I expected going into it, support. Like, people who wanted to know more about what's going on were, like, eager to listen and had some, they would... um, talk to us more and that was really great when we could engage with them and just let them know like why we were out there, why we were, my store um, was closed that day, why it was closed and things. And um, a large number of people were very understanding and empathetic and were supportive of us. That was Spencer Blackman, barista at a unionized Starbucks in St. Louis, describing the November 17th walkout on one of the company's busiest days of the year. Bradley, does what Spencer described about public response and support align with what you've seen? Absolutely. Um, And, you know, even in in the store that I worked in uh, is a more affluent neighborhood in St. Louis. But even those customers there, you know, you can make any assumptions you want about anybody. But conversations we're having with them, we know them. We're serving them their coffee every day. And they're giving us the support as people. They see what's happening. and, And a lot of them do uh, support our movement. And I think, you know, Spencer said something really important about getting attention to the issues and not just getting the company's attention. We already have the company's attention. They kind of brought the hammer down on us. But what we need is public attention and public support. You heard Jennifer say that Amazon wants to think of itself as one of the best employers. Starbucks has a long-standing reputation as one of the better employers Unfortunately, not only have they been coasting on that, but they've turned their back on that promise to their workers. And so what we need from the general public nationwide is an understanding of what's going on, an understanding that workers deserve dignity, and we need their support in that. Um, In addition to the action that you just spoke about, um, on Friday across the country, there are 10 stores holding rallies, including one in Buffalo, to mark the one-year anniversary of Starbucks in Buffalo winning the first unionized store. And one important group that's standing with a lot of these stores are teachers unions. We know coming into the holiday season, lots of people like to give gifts to their teachers, which is wonderful, and we encourage that. And there are teachers unions across the nation standing with us in solidarity asking, please get your teachers gifts, but do not get them Starbucks gift cards. 
And I could say from personal experience, because my, my mother's a retired teacher and my brother is a teacher, they have gotten tons of Starbucks gift cards for, you know, for the holidays. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I've, I've been around long enough to remember when Starbucks became or was becoming a really big thing and that neighborhood connection and uh, community feeling, right, that belonging was definitely part of its brand in a really significant way. You've taken steps to to have your termination, you mentioned, from Starbucks in Ladue deemed unlawful and overturned. So do you think that the attention that you were talking about being necessary, do you think that attention, including to Starbucks workers, but not limited to them, does that bode well for your case? Um, I, I would hope so. I mean, looking at similar cases that have already been overturned, uh, I'm confident that the you know the whatever federal judge happens to get assigned to look at this will see the case and its merits and you know see that it's clearly unlawful activity. Unfortunately, you know, as Starbucks has turned its back on its mission to serve its communities and rather decides to punish its workers and punish its uh, customers in return, you know, the fact that the National Labor Relations Board does not have the legal parameters to levy fines punitively against companies that break the law, Starbucks is happy to repeatedly break the law, whether it's changing situations in union shops or terminating employees unfairly, because they know all they're go- that's going to happen is it's going to delay things, and then it, they'll get told, hey, you can't do that anymore. Um, so, you know, having attention and public support that way, but also attention public support to say, hey, you know, we need a legislative agenda from our politicians that actually supports workers and gives the government entities that are supposed to enforce the law to actually have the power to keep these multi-billion and trillion dollar companies from wielding their power in an unbalanced way to harm the citizens of this country. Mm-hmm. So based on what you've heard from friends working at various Starbucks locations around town, does it seem like the organizing efforts of late here and elsewhere in the country, that they're coming together to create a critical mass that's necessary to move people and that will ultimately compel Starbucks as a corporation to make some real change? I mean, hopefully it will. It's so difficult because we've seen the situations you know, on the ground continue to get worse and worse. But the only reason that our store is still able to even open and operate in this limited capacity at all is because there are people that are dedicated to winning a contract for dignified work. You know, if we just had said, hey, this is unacceptable and we're going to go find some other job, then Starbucks would not be able to find people to really fill those roles, especially in the store I come from, which is a unique store. It's a high volume store. Um, You know, there are a lot of people in the area who be like, oh, yeah, I don't want to work there because it seems hard. And it is on it's hard on a good day, but it can be hard in a way that's dignified and balanced, whereas right now it's, you know, it's not they're not even running a business there. They're just punishing workers and customers. Mm -hmm. So clearly, Conditions for workers are tough, right? Hours are long. Wages don't meet needs. And your employers, Starbucks, former employee, and Amazon, at this point, they're resisting your demands for change. So, Jennifer, 
What gives you energy and hope to continue this fight? I just believe that we have to continue fighting, keep growing our numbers, because the more more people we have, the stronger we are. The stronger we are together, the more it, it's likely we can get Amazon to listen, to realize that we deserve better, that they need to treat us better, and give us a proper working condition where people are not getting hurt or injured or even dying at Amazon. Just as a baseline. Yes. Human dignity. Yes. and. And then how about for you, Bradley? Yeah, and I would I would say the same thing. Obviously, there's powers and numbers. Unfortunately, you know, if you look at just union activity in this country over the decades, there's been a really powerful and effective propaganda campaign against unions. And the idea that, you know, we people need to understand workers and those who support workers and love workers uh, need to understand that a union is people coming together and holding their power together, these companies that see continued record profits, where those profits earned on the backs of the workers. So they can clearly afford it. If we're producing that much value, then they can afford to treat us like human beings. So each of you in one sentence, can you tell me what makes this organizing work worth it for you or in in one word? I mean, for me, it is just the moral thing to do. Okay. And Jennifer? Um, I agree with Bradley there. It's pretty much moral. Um, and I feel like my coworkers and uh, even, you know, Starbucks employees, we deserve to be treated like we are somebody, not a number, not expendable. Of course. I want to thank Jennifer Crane and Bradley Rolfe for joining us today as well as Spencer Blackman, who spoke with producer Danny Wisentowski by phone. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Danny Wisentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.